Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. I want to talk to you about something a little different today. Imagine. Now, this is a song written by John Lennon. This is Imagine. Now, it was written around 1971. I have nothing personal against the Beatles or John Lennon. I want to make sure that's clear. I've actually admired and appreciated a number of their songs over the years. But I saw a quote that John Lennon's Imagine is one of the most beautiful and awe-inspiring songs of all time. They almost always play this song at the Olympics as a sign of unity, as a, as a plea for peace. I've seen it touted as a song of liberation, freedom, and peace. And there was a time when I first heard this song years and years ago, I thought perhaps along similar lines, uh, you know, along that vein. But when we look closely at the song, I think we're going to see, you know, see something a little different. While the intent from a purely human perspective is good overall, it stems from a misunderstanding of God and Christianity. So let's look at the lyrics and think of this from a human, worldly perspective. We'll contrast this with a realistic viewpoint. It might sound odd at first, so bear with me. In this song, he thinks he is describing a utopia, but I believe he's deceived. So let's start with the lyrics here. This is the first verse. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us, only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. So the first thing, though, to have this freedom and peace, we must have no heaven, no God, no moral authority, no hell. With no moral authority, we, we can't have punishment or consequences for actions. We just want people living for today, for now. No thought for tomorrow, just focus on the temporary pleasures we can have in this moment. Nothing has any lasting value. There's only this pure self-gratification, selfishness. Now, to me, this sounds like what we see in the world already a lot today. But the people living like this aren't happy. Psychologists know, studies have been done, people with faith, with belief in God are happier than those without. We are more content, more peaceful, and more law-abiding. Raising a child in a religious, faithful lifestyle leads them to be happier adults. And we focus on a life of integrity and honor and charity. People without God are not as happy or content. They live in a world of chaos they cannot understand. Everything is random and has no purpose. Their emotions rule and drive them to anxiety and despair. They have no hope, and this life of turmoil is all there is. And so their focus becomes very selfish and egocentric. We look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 1-3. through 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. 
because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. What has been described in the first part of this song is a form of Antichrist. It is that spirit of deceit that says Jesus is not the hope of the world. Instead, it says the only hope is to be rid of the Lord, of God. We know this is not true, but the world is further deceived by this false prophet. Now, I know he's not trying to spout any religious um, mantra or mantra, but he is presenting an idea of, of an atheistic viewpoint, which is, uh, has become basically a religion of its own nowadays. And, and again, please understand, I do not know John Lennon personally. I never did. And I do not ascribe any evil intent on his part. I simply believe that this is a deception and that he was deceived. And, and he, through this song, is spreading that, that deceit. Human thinking can seem right and good to us, but we must be wary and test the idea or the spirit of the idea. And the idea here is definitely an idea against God and against the Lord. So verse 2, the next verse of the song, imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do, nothing to kill or die for, and no religion too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. So no nations, no petty squabbling over lines on a map, no bickering that the USA is the best or the worst, depending on where you're from, you know, all these different um, ideas. So without our country and without our politics, we should have no reason to kill or anything to defend. So we will not need to defend our freedoms or our right to live. And of course, no religion. No sacrifice for the greater good of others. We cannot have any morality that might cause us to have conflict. No morality means peace, right? That seems to be what is being said. So I want to take us back to a time when there were no countries. There were no borders. There was no religion. This should have been the utopia, right? We should have peace and harmony. Just all sunflowers and daisies, right? I mean, that's what it should be. I'm just trying to mix it up for you a little bit. But we find that is not the case. Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Cain killed Abel because he was angry and jealous. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So instead, even back when there was 
no country and no formal religion, etc., we see the same as we see today. Without God, men turn to evil and cruelty. People find reasons to kill and commit sin. Selfish reasons, covetous reasons, jealous reasons. Does this sound peaceful and harmonious? Now we're going to skip the chorus. We'll do that last. This is the final verse of the song. Imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. No need for greed or hunger. A brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. So if we just didn't own things, if we didn't have worldly possessions, everyone would be fed. Now, I'm, I'm going to skip past the mechanics and the practical side of this, and I'm just going to go with the idealistic idea, okay? Because that's what he's presenting. He's not trying to present a practical plan that can be acted upon. Instead, he's trying to give an idealistic idea. And so that's what I'm going to stick with. I'm not going to get off into the minutia of how these things would actually happen. Anyway, so if we didn't have worldly possessions, everyone would be fed. Greed would not be possible since you couldn't own anything. People would be kind and loving to each other. There would be no poor or rich, and everyone would just share everything. Now this sounds pretty perfect, doesn't it? This verse actually comes close to a Christian viewpoint. The idea that we would be kind to each other and share what we have, it's a noble goal. But it would never happen without the love of God. The only example I know of this occurring is in the early church and is described in Acts. Acts chapter 4 verses 32 through 35. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there any one among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as any one had need. Every other human endeavor like this, without God involved, has failed. I'm not aware of any successful endeavor like this. These, these things were corrupted by selfishness and by ego. This, in Acts, is an example that is given to us to emulate as best we can. But it requires the love of God to make it happen. See what Jesus told the disciples in regards to the rich young man. Matthew chapter 19, verses 21 through 26. Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go, sell what you have, and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, 
Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. In their day, back in those times, the rich were considered the favored and blessed of God. So the disciples, of course, were like, well, if they can't get to heaven, who can? And that's because that was a generally accepted viewpoint. That's not necessarily true, but that was what they thought. But back to our song. Um, notice what Jesus says here in verse 26. I included all of this so we would have good context and understand. Jesus says, with men, this is impossible. Now, Jesus does not say things are impossible very much. Matter of fact, this might be the only time, I'm, I'm not sure, I did not do a check on that, but it is not something that I remember him saying a lot. But here he's telling us, in other words, with men, without God, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So men can't do this, this type of generosity and sharing without God. Now, with God, we can do it. The rich man wanted to do what was right. He had some desire for the Lord. But it wasn't enough. He needed to love God and others more than his possessions. Now, this part of the song, this verse, is kind of like the rich man. It's close. It even has some of the proper desire. But it fails to acknowledge that the love of God is the only way to do that. And that's because Lenin eliminated God and religion in the first two verses. He just threw that away. Only through the Lord do we have a brotherhood of man. If he was not deceived, he would have seen that Christianity is what he was actually talking about and looking for. We, as God's family, represent that brotherhood of man that he mentions. Now, for the chorus, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. We can understand and appreciate the intent here. This is very much like the Christian goal. We want everyone to hear the gospel. And believe that's our ministry. Again, the very thing he dismissed in the first two verses is what he was really looking for all along. God and Christianity. Again, I didn't know the man personally, but I believe he was deceived, at least from the evidence of this song. In this song, he's speaking of the love of God. That is what would make this possible. But apart from God, that love does not exist. 1 John chapter 2, verses 21 through 23. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. 
who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So unfortunately, this song has become a huge deception to the world. We can appreciate the intent of peace and love and harmony, but we know these do not exist without the Lord. It's a lie to present this idea that the world would be peace and harmony without God. And this is why we must be careful of what we listen to and accept in our lives. We need to pay attention to these things and understand what is being said. We do not want to promote or accidentally follow someone down the wrong path, no matter how good their intentions. Now God, being all-knowing as he is, actually has a scripture for this, and I had forgotten it and I was surprised when I found it again. But Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 5, It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. And I throw that in there because that's God's final word on this, and it is kind of funny uh, in a slightly humorous way. But see, God tells us everything we need to know. We just need to pay attention. So I hope this has been helpful to you. We want to be aware of the deceits of the enemy that are out there. Some sound so good and pleasant to our human thinking. But we need to judge them against the truth of God's word and see what they really are. Now, I want you to imagine something. Imagine God loves you. Imagine Jesus died for you. Imagine a father that cares about you, that forgives your wrongs, accepts you as you are, and helps you to grow and improve. A father that is here to teach and guide you in this life. And a Lord, a brother that understands your troubles, your temptations, and your failures. God is all of these things and is here for you. I hope you have a wonderful day. May the Lord bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.